You may be seated, please. And at this time, I'd like to ask the elders who are here this morning if they would please come forward. And as they do, I just want to make the comment that this is Transition Sunday. In the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 13, Paul and Barnabas were ministering in the church at Antioch, and God called them to a season of ministry that the church recognized, laid their hands on them, prayed for them, and sent them out. And then in the very next chapter, Acts chapter 14, we read that they returned to Antioch where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had fulfilled. In a very parallel way, that's exactly what has happened here at Lakewood. Um, the elders back in September of last year um, extended a call for Lucy and I to come and for me to take on that role of interim season pastor. But like uh, Paul and Barnabas, they went out on their first missionary journey, but it was just for a season. It wasn't forever. It was for a time, but then they came back to the church having fulfilled that which God had asked them to do. And that's what is transitioning this morning as Lucy and I end the interim um, and is the start of a new season with, with Matt. And so to the elders this morning, that call that you extended to, to me last September, I now relinquish and return that role back to you, knowing Lucy and I have, have thoroughly enjoyed, it's been our privilege and our joy to serve for this season that has now been fulfilled. Thank you, Rick, for your service. And uh, so now we welcome Matt Nagel uh, up here. He has accepted uh, our offer to, uh, to be our next uh, senior pastor, and we're just so thankful uh, for him here. And so just as Acts uh, talked about laying hands and prayer um, for ministry, we want to do that with Matt now. Lord, we, we acknowledge that... Uh, you have been so faithful to us, and uh, we pray this uh, not just for Matt, but for our church, uh, that you will be with us uh, going forward, Lord. Uh, gracious Father, we bow uh, before you now in prayer and acknowledge you. You are all-powerful, all-knowing, and yet all-loving. Thank you for loving us and calling us to you, even in our darkest moments. And as a church body, we thank you, Lord, for bringing us to where we are now today, recognizing Matt as our next senior pastor. Looking back, it feels a little bit like we were wandering for 40 years in the desert, um, but you were there with us, guiding our every step, Lord, and we thank you for that. And now we prepare for the crossing to our next chapter as a church and as your people. It's not because of our righteousness, but your holiness and direction. And so we aspire to be a church with a great view of you that shapes our humility, prayerful dependence on you, and submission to your spirit and will. 
Give us the willingness to follow and obey so that all worship and glory goes to you and to you alone. And so today, Lord, we recognize Matt as our lead shepherd. May he be humble and courageously lead with a shepherd's heart, being willing to listen with empathy, communicate with openness and honesty, and respond with compassion to care for the needs of the Lakewood body. And may we as a church family love and support Matt and his family well, serving shoulder to shoulder with him, sharing the burdens and blessing of ministry, because we aspire to be a church committed to honor and care for Matt through encouragement, training, accountability, and respect that he needs to carry out his calling well. May we be a church marked by loving you, receiving and passing on your unconditional love driven by the gospel's transforming message, extending grace to one another and dying to self. May we be inspired to serve in and outside the church because we love and serve you, Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Good morning. Uh, thank you. Uh, it is so evident uh, that the people of God have been praying for us. Uh, a question we get in these early weeks is, uh, how's the transition? How's the family? Uh, have the elders, uh, you know, hazed you in any way? Uh, by God's grace, it's probably gone about as smooth as we could have hoped for. And that's surely evidence of the Lord's kindness and your faithfulness to prayer. So thank you. Thank you, by the way, for wearing name tags today. That's a real service to me uh, as I look out at faces and trying to learn names. And you know what's funny? It's actually a real service to you guys, too, because oftentimes and I'm guilty of this as well, we go to church with people for years and years, and we know about their family life, and we ask how their weekend was, and then we look at their face, and it's like, sweetie, do you remember what that guy's... No, I, I don't... Really, what you're doing as you wear a name tag this week and even next week, what you're doing is you're serving not just a new pastor, but you're serving one another. Uh, we want to be uh, a body here uh, where we know each other, and even know each other's names. <laughs> so, um, but now what? <laughs> now what? Uh, it's a simple question, isn't it? Where exactly do we go from here? Now, it, it's not the first time that Christians would ask such a question. I think the disciples had some similar thoughts after the resurrection of Jesus. So, okay, the disciples are thinking, we've seen God move and do great things. We have a sense of maybe health spiritually, and we have clarity, but what are our next steps? What do we do now? And if you sit here this morning with a measure of skepticism, uh, now that this new guy is in, I want you to know that I'm okay with that. Uh, trust, favor, confidence, uh, those things take time. So what I'd like to do this morning is simply give you a general idea of the direction and the vision that God would have Lakewood Church pursue. And not simply pursue in some intellectual way, but really cling to. 
And it's really summed up in this one short phrase. You've probably seen it around the building. Reproducing faithful followers of Christ. That is the mission statement of Lakewood Church. At least it's posted on the wall of my office. And it's not simply the mission of our church. Frankly, it's our identity as Christians. New covenant communities are faithful followers of Christ. So when Jesus changed our lives, he didn't simply beam us up to heaven. Now I will admit, that has been my prayer from time to time. But he didn't do that. Rather, as Luke would explain in Acts 1, he left us on earth. And in the life, the specific life that he's given each of us, he's changed us. He's indwelt us. And now we are to be witnesses of who Jesus is and what he's done to the ends of the earth. Even the ends of the earth here in the Brainerd Lakes area. I'll ask that you grab a copy of the scriptures and turn to Acts 2. And we'll be in verses 42 through 47 this morning. And as you turn there, let me remind you of where the people of God find themselves in Acts 2. Acts 2 details for us the start of the church. The Holy Spirit, the promised Holy Spirit descends, and Peter preaches, as the kids would say, say, he preaches a banger of a sermon. Verse 37 says that Peter preaches, people are repenting turning from a life of sin and turning to a life in following Jesus. They're broken, but they have hope and trust in this Savior. Look at verse 41. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. So God had moved in the hearts of people in a particular place at a particular time. And they were added, yes, to the church universally, but they were added to a specific body locally. We'll see in our verses this morning that these Christians, they weren't simply connected via Facebook groups or some encouraging dance routine and verse on TikTok. If there is such a thing, I'm sure there is. Their connection was tangible, local, and intimate. Has God, brothers and sisters, has God not done the same here at Lakewood Church? Have we not experienced the same grace in our lives? We've met Jesus. We've been changed. And God has directed in such a way that we would be here. It's no accident. It's no random occurrence. It's the same as Acts 2. It's what I like to call, it's divine design. So here's some natural questions that the community in the onlooking world had of Acts 2, and the community in the onlooking world probably has a Lakewood church. What will the gathered body look like? How will they function? How will life be different now? What exactly are faithful followers of Christ? <laughs> now what? Now what? 
Uh, Our passage, uh, starting in verse 42, answers some of these questions. And our central focus will be to reproduce faithful followers of Christ. Really, this passage lays out the aim of Lakewood and our core values. Do you know our core values? Well, I don't. So (laughs) let's let's learn them together uh, as as we read. Uh, Please read with me verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Now, the first word I want to draw to your attention was found really early in our verse, this word devoted. Now, if you allow me, I'm going to be a little snobby here, okay? I read out of the ESV, and I don't like how it's translated. Now, a lot of you guys have the NIV. Don't worry, I don't like your translation either. This, it really, it's, it's too wooden. It, it robs us a little bit. To get technical, it's not, devo- it's not past tense. It's more present tense continual. So let me give you an example. If I have the opportunity in the coming days, in the coming weeks, to introduce you to my wife, Lisa, uh, you'll find out really quick that she's way better than I am. And I may say something like this. This is my wife, Lisa. Lisa. 17 years ago, 17 years ago, I loved her. Well, you might have some questions that pop to your mind. Well, you should have some questions that pop to your mind immediately. Okay, you loved her 17 years ago. What what about today? Well, actually, the question probably would be, is she still putting up with you 17 years later, right? You see, My love for her isn't simply some past event, but it's a present tense, continual action. Well, at least she says it better be. It's the same here. It's the same here with these faithful followers of Christ. It would be better to read, as a couple translations put it, that they were giving constant attention to, or they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and the bread and the fellowship and the prayers. Continual. Now, this might seem a little nitpicky, but how you understand this one word really will dramatically dramatically affect uh, whether or not you and I are living biblically. So let me ask it uh, this way. Were you at one time devoted? Were, were you devoted one time years ago? Did you say a prayer, experience a taste of the goodness of God, or find yourselves as being a part of the body of God simply at one time in the past? Or is it continual? The question, the question is not, did you at one time devote you, yourself to Jesus? But are you still devoting yourself to Jesus? Biblical living is an ongoing devotion and commitment. And really, it's one of the natural implications of the gospel. And if you're here visiting today and you don't know Jesus, maybe you're kind of just checking out this Christian thing and wondering what it's all about. Well, as that was mentioned, even in our welcome and in our songs and in our prayer, the gospel, the good news of Jesus is this. Empirically, you know this is true. We live in a broken world. I don't need any graphs to show you that. You, you know it yourself. But you and I, we have a brokenness, not just of our circumstances, but even of the condition of our hearts. 
full of sin and rebellion. And God, in his kindness, sent Jesus to live a perfect life on our behalf. His active obedience, he he took those chips and he cashed them in, that perfect life. And he didn't cash them in for his own profit in his own regard, but rather as he died on the cross and he hung, he paid. It's called the great substitution. He took that perfect life and he cashed it in as a substitute for sinners like you and I. And as he rose from the dead, conquering sin, conquering death, he offers new resurrection life, a changed heart to anyone who would believe in him. So when we talk about the continual living and devotion, the continual devotion, rather, biblical living, it's a direct fruit of trusting in this gospel, believing in it, being changed by it, being gripped by it, and then a life that flows from it is continual devotion. Now, Luke is helpful to narrow down the devotion of these followers in our text. Notice what he didn't say first. Their continual devotion was not to their preferences, to their family, to their career. They were not devoted to money, reputation, or power. Their ultimate commitment was not to a political party, left or right, or even their favorite sports team. And I'll confess, it's hard to be back in the land of 10,000 ways to lose. I can say that. I I grew up here, okay? Biblical living is a devotion, not to these things, not to these temporary things that fade, but biblical living is a devotion to Jesus, a continual devotion to the scriptures, life with the body, and dependent prayer. Can, Can I ask you a personal question? Good. Are you devoted? Kids, when you go to school tomorrow, are you continuing to devote your life to Jesus among your peers? Hey, that's not easy. But are you? As you leave here today, are you devoted to the fellowship with the bodies you plan your schedule and your week? Will you continue to worship God, not just on Sunday, but, you know, tomorrow's Monday, right? What about each day? Will you, well, are you devoting yourself to the body of Christ and serving? Will you continually go to the simple means of grace to grow in biblical living? Will you read God's word? Will you pray? Will you be connected to the fellowship, and the people of God. Now, here are a couple helpful ways to discern if you're continually devoted. And really, this whole passage flows from this first verse. This continual devotion led to certain fruit in these first Christians' lives. Look at verse 43, that first phrase. And awe came upon every soul. What was the fruit of a life continually devoted to Jesus? Awe 
reverence, a healthy fear that loves and follows God. Look at verse 46. I'm going to key on the last phrase there. They received their food with glad and generous hearts. What's the fruit of a life continually devoted to Jesus? A glad and generous heart. Look at the first phrase of verse 47. Praising God. I'm going to say more about this in a second, but one of the fruits of a life continually devoted, not just once, is a life that praises God. Now, time doesn't allow me to mind the depths of all these fruits, but but let me ask you this. Is this true of your life? Perhaps the Spirit of God would gently remind us of some devotion that's been lost. That happens, right? Sometimes the devotion in our life gets lost or grows dull because of time, because of circumstance, even because of personal sin. Ask the Holy Spirit to prompt you and enable you to be truly devoted and committed. Committed to biblical living. Because that's what faithful followers do. They live biblically. So, okay, maybe you're convinced of that. Core value number one, faithful followers of Christ are devoted to biblical living. But there's more than one core value here. The second core value is that we are also committed to relational community. Now, it's not merely one of the core values of Lakewood. It is a fruit of a Christian life. Now, community can be one of those buzzwords that kind of gets tossed around without a lot of clarity or focus. No one would likely shy away from saying, yeah, community, it's important. We like the idea of it, but are we practicing it? I want to point out two ways in which these first Christians practiced relational community. And the the first thing I see here is hospitality. Hospitality. Uh, Let's read again verse 42. And they, these first Christians, they devoted themselves continually. They gave constant attention to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Uh, this breaking of bread, this fellowship, commentators would suggest it includes meals and communion. And uh, I think you guys got those things nailed down. I picked up on the church culture. I think you, I know you practice communion, and I know you're all about food. So you're being very biblical. Now, there's something in, look, in verse 46 as well. Uh, read verse 46 with me. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes... They receive their food with glad and generous hearts. This idea of continual commitment, continual devotion, day by day, throughout the week, they were attending the temple, breaking bread in each other's homes. Now, brothers and sisters, this is way, way more radical than you realize. You may realize. Uh, read, look back at me in chapter 2, starting in verse 5. Let me read verses 5 through 11, just to show you how crazy this is. All this hospitality, starting in verse 5. Now, 
There were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from under every nation, under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they, they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? language. Parthians and Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya, belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. Now, I won't lie, I had to write one of those down because I didn't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> but what, you know what's really radical about all this? This is an eclectic group of people who became believers. They, they looked different. They spoke different languages. They were from different cultures. They were saved from different backgrounds. They had different social and financial statuses. They ate different food, they listened to different music, and they were even under different political systems. Well, okay, so what? Well, don't you find it amazing that these people in our passage are sitting down having meals together? What would hospitality look like with someone in your home who didn't speak the same language as you? It'd probably be a lot of smiling a lot of hand gestures, and trying to find something you can connect on, right? The point here is that faithful followers of Jesus, this Christ, this Lord, they practice relational community in hospitality. And really by following the example of Jesus, right? Everywhere Jesus met, everyone he met, along the way, he met them with grace and truth, accessibility, and relationship. He offered them something regardless of where they came from. So how could we grow in relational community? Well, we could practice hospitality. We can open our home, break bread, or simply just have a cup of water on the table. Don't just invite the person that looks like you or the person that votes like you or eats like you. Put on the forefront of your mind what connects you with every single person you will ever meet. They are made in the image of God, and they have a need for a Savior. And think of what connects you with every single Christian you will ever meet, regardless of theological tradition and preference. You know what connects you to every believer? Christ. The simple truth of the gospel of Jesus. You may not even speak the same language, but you meet a brother or a sister from a different culture, a different tribe, you're connected. You may have nothing in common with them except for Jesus, but as we see in our passage, that's all these faithful followers of Christ needed. Unity in Jesus. I wonder... I wonder what an onlooking community would think of Lakewood if they peered in 
and saw a relational community of people of different ages, different preferences, and different temperament, all connected, all showing love and hospitality because they were centered on the person of Jesus and devoted to him continually. Now, it's not just hospitality that we see relational community in our passage. There's a lot of sacrifice in this passage. Read with me verses 44 through 46. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Sacrifice. Now, this is tied into hospitality for sure. Don't get that twisted. But sacrifice extends further, not just into hospitality, but also into our relationships and the ministry that God has given each of us. There's a sacrifice in relationships. Well, I don't need to tell parents that. You know all about sacrificing for your kids. But even if you're not a parent, every relationship that you have, there's a measure of sacrifice. It costs something. Every time you genuinely connect with someone or serve them or befriend them, it costs you. It costs you your time. It costs you your energy. Your youthfulness, you lose that quick when you lose your energy. It costs you your money. It costs you your preferences. And maybe much more. The first church was a sacrificial church. Faithful followers of Christ practiced relational community by sacrificing. Now, how were they able to do this? There was a phrase in there. Did you catch it? They had all things in common. Well, what do you mean all things? Because I thought you just said that they were from different backgrounds, different languages, they look different, they talk different. Well, you know what's really interesting? Paul would write this later and really cements, I think, what Luke is trying to get across here. Paul would say something like this in Ephesians 4. There's one body. There's one spirit. There's one hope. There's one Lord, there's one faith, there's one baptism, there's one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. What's the point? There was sacrifice because they were in Christ and in the Christian life together. There's a children's version of the book Pilgrim's Progress, and it's entitled The Dangerous Journey. I love that. You know what connected and made sacrifice possible for these first believers? They looked around at all the souls that had been saved. They looked different. They acted different. They came from different places. And they said, we're all in this dangerous journey together. Why do I have all in common with anyone who's in this room with me, they said? Because <laughs> they're on this journey figuring it out just like the rest of us. That's what really ultimately is going to be one of the motivators for just radical relational sacrifice in our community. 
If we look at the person to our right, to our left, well, hopefully they're wearing a name tag so we know who they are, and we say, I'm in this dangerous journey with you. I'm trying to figure this Christian life out. Will you help me? There was sacrifice because they're in Christ. Will you sacrifice? Children, will you die to your preferences and honor mom and dad even when they don't deserve it? Guess what? That's a lot of sacrifice because mom and dad, they make mistakes. As you consider how you schedule the remaining weeks of 2021, will you sacrifice your time to serve others? What about that neighbor? Yeah, I mean, the one you don't like, but the one maybe who has some real need for a relationship, real need for someone to talk to. You know, one of those neighbors who just, they don't pause, they just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. You know, the long Minnesota hello and the long Minnesota goodbye just kind of condensed. Will you give your time to them? What about this church? What about Sunday school? You know there's a bunch of little kids in this church who need you to sacrifice your time so that you would serve them, so that we would create faithful followers of Jesus in the next generation. Are you willing to give your time to be a part of that vision? Well, how, how about your money? Will you sacrifice some luxury and comfort and leverage your resources locally and globally so Christ is known in our community and places all over the world, like Congo that we heard about last week? Guys, that's what offering is, right? So as you drop cash or a check in a box in the back or you send it through the mail or you give online, what you're doing is you're leveraging your resources and sacrificing and saying, ultimately, I hold this world loosely because I want to sacrifice so Jesus is known everywhere. Will we sacrifice our time, our money, our energy? It's all part of relational community. And this kind of hospitality and this kind of sacrifice, by God's grace, do you know that it's already true of you? Do you know that you are a hospitable people? Do you know that you are sacrificing and leveraging your time, your money, and your resources for God's glory? Well, since it's true of us, God help us to press in and to bear more fruit in relational community. So lastly, the third core value that I'd have us consider in this passage is intentional outreach. Faithful followers of Christ are committed to biblical living, and not just committed in some cute way. We devote ourselves continually to biblical living, relational community, and intentional outreach. Read verse 47 with me, please. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. (laughs) Wow. Now, on its face, it may not seem to read as very intentional or very outreachy, if that's not a word, but I want to make a connection in our minds between praising God and intentionality, intentional outreach. Do you know what's incredibly, incredibly missional? 
Do you know what proclaims the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you know what has global impact? Praise. Praise. These first faithful followers of Christ were praising God for what he had done and continued to do in their lives, in the lives even of this new community of believers they are a part of. I imagine it would look something like this. I picked a very Jewish name. Imagine Joe the Jew, who is in Acts 2. It says they were all Jews. Joe gets saved. He's trusted in Jesus. God has recalibrated his heart, forgiven his sins. He was hoping in the Old Testament law, but he says, oh, the Messiah has come. One has sacrificed his life for me. And Joe has been placed into this amazing body of Christ followers who now live biblically and are a part of a relational community. Well, Joe does what he always has to do. He's, he's, he's a farmer. He's a man of the land. So he takes his grain and he goes into town because he's got to sell it. And he comes to Patrick, the Arabian. And Patrick goes, <laughs> Joe, what, why, why are you so happy? Your grain is half of what it was last year. You're poor. And you're one of these crazy guys. You're one of these crazy religious guys. You've got six kids. Aren't you scared? Aren't you scared, Joe? Joe's response, Patrick, my friend, let me tell you how kind God in Christ has been to me. That's what happened in this early church. These first Christians like Joe, they had a vocabulary that in the midst of whatever they were doing, praise. Oh, Patrick, praise God. Yeah, you know, things are a little tough. And I got these six little nuggets here I'm worried about. But God has been really kind. You know that I don't have a burden anymore? It's been lifted. I have forgiveness of sins and certainly a peace that surpasses understanding. God, praise God, he's placed me in a community of believers where we're in this dangerous journey together. Yeah, you're worried about how I'm going to provide? Man, I got brothers and sisters. They got my back. What led to, in our passage, in this first church, what led to intentional outreach, the adding day by day of those who were being saved, was not some awkward conversation about poking holes in worldviews. It was not dropping a mic in a Jesus rant on social media. It wasn't having all the deep, complicated answers to philosophical questions. Or being able to point to memorize verses on the deity of Jesus. Is there a time and a place for things, for those things? Yes. But that is not what led to the day-by-day adding of souls and the intentional outreach of the first church. What led to outreach simply was the people of God praising God. They had favor with all people, not because they were cool, not because they packaged the message perfectly, but because they were real, genuine, faithful followers of Christ who simply said, praise God, praise God for who he is and what he's done. 
Let me give you a helpful tool that I've used over the years, tried to use to be faithful. Make an intentional effort to give God credit. That's what praise is, right? Giving God credit. So what's the most common question you might hear on a Monday? How was your weekend? Give God credit when you answer that question tomorrow. So you catch me tomorrow? Hey, Matt, how was your weekend? Oh, God is so good. I'm part of this community group, and they stick all those young people in one, one group. They don't know what to do with us, so they just put us in this group. And you know what we did this weekend? We took food you shouldn't eat, and we deep fried it. And then, and then we ate it. And yeah, I'm paying for it today. But praise God, I, I lost the kid in the, they went in the woods and, you know, sadly they came back. We had to take them home. What am I doing? I'm giving credit to where credit's due. How was your weekend? Praise God, I had a good weekend. Your answer might be, praise God, you know what I did Sunday afternoon? I went home, I took a nap, and I watched the Vikings lose. It was great. Or young person, hey, how was your weekend? Oh, it was off the chain. It was lit. You know what I did? Praise God. You know what I did this weekend? I smoked all my friends in video games. What are you doing? You're giving credit to God. You're assigning worth and praise, even the smallest of things. And some of us, honestly, it's, how was your weekend? You know, I had a real tough weekend. Physically, I'm struggling. Financially, things are tight. But praise God, I'm here today. We don't have to make up some, you know, sunshine story on a Monday morning. We can even give God praise in the simple things of, I'm here. I made it another day. Sometimes that's the praise. Now what? <laughs> now what? Just like those first disciples who wanted clarity on next steps, we too will sit at the feet of Jesus and follow him. We will continue to be who God says that we are in Christ. We will commit ourselves and we will be devoted continually to the core values of biblical living, relational community, and intentional outreach. We will be faithful followers of Christ who imperfectly, you know you're going to screw all this up tomorrow, right? Well, me too. We will imperfectly strive to live for him and make him known. And by God's grace, there is great grace in the gospel for you and I. You know there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus? So as you seek to live out these core values this week, God looks at your imperfect obedience and he says, I'm pleased. I'm pleased. He is pleased with you and I as we aim to make these a reality in our life. I don't know what would be better right now than to simply pray and ask him to do it. Would you pray with me?
Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. You know, as we read through the book of Acts, there's all these amazing things, and there's great power done in Jesus' name. So we too, as Lakewood Church, we come to you, not in our own name, not in our own righteousness, not in our own sufficiency, but in the name of Jesus we come. And we ask, Lord, that you would enable us to be faithful followers of Christ. That there would be a reproducing. That there would be living, not for our own gain, but to lift high the name of Jesus. God, would you meet us each in the unique life that you've given us? We've each been given a mission field this week. We've each been given a life to live out these core values. Uh, Lord, find us faithful. We trust that you will continue to leverage our lives uh, to make you known and to have great joy and satisfaction as we follow you. God, help us on this dangerous journey. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.